It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Listening to the Sharks Audio Network. Now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, hello everyone. Coming up on Saturday night, February 26th, we are celebrating Black History Night at the Tank. And one aspect of this will be these teal totes. They are custom bags that include unique Sharks themed items and an autographed Sharks jersey only available through this offer. These teal totes will be shipped to purchasers. And if you go to NHL.com slash Sharks, slash Sharks Foundation, slash Charity Bags, or if you just Google Teal Totes, you'll be able to find this option. They include an autographed Terry Smith designed jersey, a backpack with a power bank, a Teal Tote mystery puck, and an adjustable hat. These are worth $1,000 each with net proceeds benefiting the Sharks Foundation and Self E-STEM. They say that you should allow five to seven business days from purchase date for shipping. And Terry is going to be with us on Saturday night at the tank. He is going to be dropping the ceremonial puck. And we've got him here now joining us on the Sharks Audio Network. Terry, man, what's going on? How are you doing? Uh, doing great today. Good to talk to you. Likewise, man. And um, I like it. Let's let's talk about the, the teal tote of which you're going to be a part of on Saturday night for, for Black History Night, and you're going to be dropping the puck. Um, in the tote, we've got an autographed uh, an autographed uh, Terry Smith design jersey, which I think people will be pretty excited about, plus the backpack with the power bank. There's the teal tote mystery puck and a hat. Um, you know, talking about the design for this, you know, and it's, it's specific to a, a cause and a moment and a movement, which has maybe never had more pertinence than in, in 2022 and everything we've seen in society over the last few years. Is this a different type of pressure that you feel in terms of adding a design to or changing or making it nuanced in terms of presentation? I mean, w- walk me through that process because it's, I feel like that, you know, in a very, very different way than what designing the Sharks logo was like this also, it has cultural representation beyond just individual sports. This is, this is everyone. Yeah. I mean, the, the this one was interesting for me. I, I'd done stuff in the past for the NHL and, and, and different things. I, I designed something for, you know, for Bauer around Willie O'Ree and, and mm-hmm. other things when it came to, you know, uh, black culture, black heritage and, and commemorating, you know, things like Willie being the first, um, you know, black player in, in the NHL. Um, this one was different in the sense that, um, yeah, it is black history, but what I wanted was something that could be interpreted a lot of different ways. So what I wanted to try to come up with this time was that what could I do with the Sharks logo that was multicultural? Cause I don't think, you know, um, uh, you know, being, being a, mo- a minority in this country has meant that there's a lot of things you have to deal with, um, both socially, economically, all that. But but there's always a sense of pride mm-hmm. um, that all ethnic groups have. 
So what I wanted to try to do was something from a design standpoint that when you looked at it, maybe it felt a little African, maybe it felt a little Hispanic, maybe it felt a little Polynesian. So I wanted it to be more inclusive. Um, the first designs I had done were really focused on, um, you know, on black causes and things like that. And on this particular one, I wanted it to, to kind of represent, if I could, um, a multicultural feel through design. Mm-hmm. And, and hopefully, you know, when people look at it, I think they'll see in it whatever they want in terms of from a cultural standpoint. I think when you look at, at, at the, um, you know, at the logo, you know, that's on the, on the teal tote, hopefully it, it's something, it'll feel tribal, it'll feel ethnic, but I think you can kind of bring your own nationality to it, if you will. And, and that was kind of the objective. You know, let's rewind and go back a ways in history to when, you know, you were tasked with coming up for an idea that would be the original logo for, uh, you know, an upstart franchise in the NHL. I, you know, I just wonder what kind of pressure you were feeling in that moment or, you know, just to come up with a design that I'm sure that even at the time you had no idea would become as iconic as it did. I mean, did you wait for, you know, an inspiration? Was there something that, you know, you did, did you go for a walk? Did you look at other designs? Like, I just, I can't imagine all the things that go through your mind as you're coming up with a, a design and, and making that come to life. Yeah, I guess, you know, the best way, I, I guess, to put it that people could relate to is that, you know, think about doing a research paper when you were in school, right? Is, you know, the way I approached it, you know, was a looking at, okay, you know, uh, what are we doing, the subject matter, all that kind of stuff. At the time, you know, there were lots of different names that were being thrown about. But, you know, um, you know, once kind of, you know, sharks was more or less settled on, then it became, okay, how do we, how do we represent sharks? And how do we represent, um, you know, this team in this area, et cetera? Uh, you got to remember that was, uh, what, uh, 35 years ago, um, the league and, and merchandising and all that stuff was very, very different. You know, I tell people, you know, the San Jose Sharks logo doesn't exist today um, by the way the system's set up. You know, back then, you know, each team controlled their own uh, identity, if you will. Uh, There was no NHL properties at the time. You know, so, you know, you had a lot more kind of creative freedom. Um, That being said, like I said, it was more like a research paper. So, uh, you know, we had a name. Um, and so now you're playing around with the name going, okay, what are we going to do? Um, uh, back then, you know, uh, you know, NHL didn't have a big television contract. Most of the money was made by, you know, um, you know, people, uh, you know, showing up to the game, literally putting butts in the seats. Um, so everything was different economically and, you know, uh, the league itself. So most of the merchandise is sold in the home market back then and, and teams made their money on their merchandising. And so it really became focused on, you know, what would people in this area want to see? Uh, at that time, there were, I think there was one, one team out this, you know, out, out West, so to speak. And that mm-hmm. was the Kings, you know, especially in the United States. Um, I think the next closest team would have been probably somewhere in the Midwest. Um, so, you know, it really became, okay, how do we create something that this area, California, the Bay area would embrace? So, you know, and who was their audience? So at that time, you know, again, hockey was not something that, 
all Californians necessarily grew up with and sport was new team was going to be new. Um, you knew you were probably going to get, you know, a, a younger audience in terms of who you wanted to kind of capture. And so, you know, I started looking more, paying more attention to, you know, what was going on in culturally at the time around those things. So, you know, I started to look more at uh, what was going on in skateboarding and Gen X and surfing and things like that. So, you know, those influences were probably, or those things had probably more of an influence on the direction. Um, and then, you know, we we're trying to do something new and different. Um, so it was, it was, it was an interesting process, but one that was approached, you know, in that manner research, uh, what kind of shark, uh, you know, what did the area represent and, and what were we trying to do? I mean, I know you were a known entity at that point, obviously, but were you prepared for the success that it had? I mean, I think that behind, um, the bulls in that, uh, in that era, that was like the number two selling, um, you know, piece of merchandise across North American sports. And the bulls happened to have, you know, that Michael Jordan guy, maybe you've heard of him <laughs> selling their merch. So like, I'm, I imagine that was a bit of a trip for you to suddenly realize that, you know, not only was this the face of the new franchise in terms of a logo, but that it was, it was a hit. Yeah. I mean that, you know, whenever you're doing any kind of design work and all that kind of stuff, I mean, you can't predict that type of, uh, that type of success. Uh, you know, yeah, it was a little surprising because, um, again, uh, the, the stats that you mentioned there in terms of, you know, selling and all that, those things happened before the team ever played a game. Um, so, you know, what we were looking at, and that was because there was, uh, it wasn't just us success, mm -hmm. you know, it was worldwide success. It was selling well in Europe and, and, and all over the place and other places where they had hockey. Um, and it was surprising because again, nobody knew who the team was. The colors were a little weird, you know, for, for everybody. And um, it was really different. You know, the league wasn't all that pleased with, uh, you know, taking, you know, uh, the one tool of their craft, a hockey stick and having it, you know, being chomped in half by a, by a, by a shark. But, you know, again, what we were trying to do at that time design wise was appeal to a younger audience, um, an audience that was in California um, you know, that Gen X crowd, that surfing crowd, you know, both with colors and design and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I can't um, go without mentioning, you know, two other people in particular. Um, John Zelesnik um, was, an, was an artist. Uh, when you say I was well known, uh, not necessarily, you know, in some circles, but, but not really, you know, uh, that's from that standpoint, from a design standpoint. I was no more as an illustrator than I was designing logos. But, you know, John Selesnick was, was another illustrator friend of mine. He played a very important role in that. And then as we've modified the shark over time, um, another one of my artist friends, uh, Norman Felpley, you know, I have a bunch of, you know, my, my company, Terry Smith Creations, you know, we work on a lot of, you know, projects from movies to video games to sports stuff. So, you know, um, a lot of what I do, there's collaboration with other artists and designers. So I want to mention those two guys in particular when it comes to the Sharks logo. But that being said, um, the success, I don't think anybody could have predicted. Um, and uh, it, it was a very pleasant surprise, but it definitely, I will say this, philosophically, we went about it differently. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I, as I said, sports were changing. So we weren't a lot of logos previously, you know, they're designed kind of to represent a team or an area, but not kind of to sell merchandise. 
you know, I design things that will sell. In other words, things that I think people will like and gravitate towards, want to wear, all that type of stuff. So it, the, philo the, the philosophy behind it was to create something that had the potential um, to sell and to sell in our particular market. Um, the fact that it worked uh, great in our market, which is what was targeted, but the fact that it worked everywhere, that, that was a little bit more of a surprise. How come it doesn't look dated? Like that's a lot of designs, especially in the 80s and 90s, you can point to it and say, I know exactly when that's from. But that's not, I mean, you may have a more critical eye than I do, and you obviously know more about art history than I do, but I feel like it's from the 80s and 90s specifically, it's very easy for me to look at something and point to the era from which it came. But I've never had that reaction to the Sharks logo. Well, um, I think part of that is if you have, if you, if you think it marks and logos and even corporate logos, I don't care whether it's Coca-Cola or anything else, there are the logos that stand the test of time. But usually if something is, is very design driven, um, you know, you can look at periods in time, as you say, and you can tell when something was. There were certain fonts that were used. Mm -hmm. There were certain uh, design elements that were used, all that kind of stuff. And our approach was more from an illustrative standpoint. You know, my background is more illustration and so and storytelling. And so I think when you look at most logos, their approach from a design standpoint and not a story telling, uh, telling standpoint. So in other words, when you look at the Sharks logo, even though we've updated it, um, you know, so there's the original version and then our updated version. Mm -hmm. But it tells a story. In other words, you the shark has motion going through the triangle. The, the act of biting the stick, you know, tells a story of something being aggressive and forceful, all that kind of stuff. When you look at most logos, they kind of sit there. When you look at the Shorts logo, it moves. It's telling you a story. And I think that the reason it, it's, it stood well over time, even through the redesign, was it was meant to uh, convey an attitude and um, convey something that people could rally behind, especially when they're at a sporting event. So again, I, I, I ask people, you know, go take a look at logos and, and you know, how many of them actually, you know, um, have, a, have a sense of action about them, a sense of movement um, that create an emotional response, even if you don't know who the team is or what's going on. Mm -hmm. So a lot of logos you look at and, you know, if, if the actual ball or bat or helmet or something isn't in the design you don't know what it represents whereas the sharks logo when you look at it you know you know it's telling a story you know what that story is about um you know what those players are like you know what that team's like you know what that animal's like so there's just a lot that kind of goes into it where it's not just you know a design that's just laying there dead on some material <laughs> When we look at the work that you've done with the Sharks over the, the life of the organization, obviously you, you've done work with this for the Sharks Foundation. You've created a number of designs. Um, how hard is it for you to reimagine what you've done in the past with not borrowing too heavily for it and wanting to use part of the Sharks logo as the inspiration? But I'm sure that there's a part of you as, as a creative individual that wants to not just be leaning on what you did, but also taking it in a new direction and for different um, parts of the franchise. 
Yeah, that's always a challenge. Um, you know, um, it's it's like I guess you could kind of prepare, uh, compare it to, uh, you know, a, a popular mu musician that has a number one hit song, right? And mm -hmm. when he goes out in concert, everybody wants to hear that song. Uh, but as a as a uh, as an entertainer, as a musician, as an artist, you want to move on to your next thing. So it's always a little tricky because that's really what you want to do. Is you know, as an artist, you grow you change uh, your ideas, your concepts, and, and you wanna bring those out. But at the same time, um, you also know that you've created something that people recognize and there's a sense of loyalty to it. They, they want that familiarity. Uh, when, uh, just to draw an example, you know, the Sharks logo was updated, right? We did the original version and then we had to come back and, and, and kind of recreate it. Um, so when you put the two old logo and the revised Sharks Crest next to each other. They're similar. Um, for people who aren't paying close attention, they may look the same. They may not notice the change, but when you put the two next to each other, you definitely notice the change. But, but there's a case where, you know, Sharks wanted to do something new. And I felt it was important that we have some, we maintain some connection to that original mark because it was successful. So this is a long-winded way to answer your question, but there's a case where um, we wanted to do something new and different, but I recognize the value uh, and the fans' um, uh, familiarity, loyalty, and respect for what was done before. So you didn't want to do something that was so new that you alienated you know, all of the Sharks fans. So there was something where we had to kind of compromise a little bit. Uh, I won't say compromise, but just take into account um you know how the fans would feel about it and so even today you'll still see some fans that, that prefer the original mark to the new mark um there's some fans that like the new mark so you know there were some different things we had to do design wise there but but in general what i try to do with the shark stuff is i look at what each thing's for the foundation logo is very very different mm -hmm. you know from what the team wears uh you know that's more of a an artsy uh looser uh more kind of painterly design if you will um and we've done things you know over the years for the sharks different things and i always look at what's the function of the logo so the foundation needed to feel that's not a sports thing you know that's a community thing that's a you know has more of an impact you know from a societal standpoint it, it's not about sports uh when you deal with the foundation it's about raising money for causes it's about you know, doing good in the community. Um, the Sharks logo, the team, the sport, well, that's something different. So I think what you do is you look at, you know, how each logo is going to be used, what it needs to represent, and you let that drive, you know, the creative direction, uh, you know, for each project. In terms of your own creative process, are you the kind of guy who's got to be told to do something else, you know, like go work on a project that you don't want to work on so that your creative brain will get going? Or do you need to take a drive? Or are you waking up with images in the middle of the night? Are you, are you a classic shower thinker? Are you the type of person who can sit down and literally work on an idea? Because I know for every different artist, whether they're musicians, wh whether they're working in design, whether they are an illustrator, whatever it may be, everybody has a different process through their, their own creativity and where they're going to find inspiration. I mean, I, I've talked to some musicians who say they'll 
read a book or find an art, you know, an artist that really inspires them and that will get their creative juices flowing. And, or other people, they literally have viewed it as a job where they feel like, yeah, if you have to put in a 40 hour work week and work and scrap and redo ideas, sometimes that's where they get to their best process. How is it for you? Um, you know, again, the creative process for me is very free flowing. Um, the way I approach, you know, logo designs, um, is very different than I approach when I'm painting. You know, painting is one of those things where, you know, you'll have an idea and, and now it's about execution, technique. Um, you know, how are you going to tell that story, you know, in an image or an illustration? A logo is a different thing because it has to be more representative. It has to be more graphic. Uh, it has to be sewn, stitched, silk screened. Uh, there's a simplicity about a logo where it's not an illustration, you know, mm -hmm. it's not this painting or drawing with all these details and lines and shading and all that stuff. So therefore, sometimes to create something that's got to be done with simple shapes can be harder. So my approach is usually I try to see if I can come up with five different ways to solve the problem. Um, each of them different. So what that means is usually I'll take a day or two and go in one direction. And then I'll take, uh, and after that, then I'll set that aside. And then I'll take a day or two and go in a different direction. And then I'll set that aside. Um, it could be listening to music. It could be looking at books. It could be walking. It could be driving. It could be a lot of things. But what I'm doing for those two days is I'm trying to go in a different direction and come up with new ideas. And what I'm looking at is the world mm -hmm. and the world around me. I'm looking for shapes. Because at the end of the day, when you're doing logos, it's about shapes. It's about positive space, negative space, you know, all of that stuff. I've got to solve the problem in black and white first. And it's got to be simple. It's got to be these shapes that come together. And then, you know, when you look at it visually, they, they form something. Um, so that part takes that that's got to happen first before you even look at color or anything else. But it is a process about. How do you represent something? The shark was a very difficult one because if you think about, if I ask somebody, okay, describe a shark or what are the attributes of a shark? Mm -hmm. And so the things that you're going to hear people say, you know, probably the first thing, it's either going to be teeth or fins, <laughs> you know, the shark fin, one of the two, right? Because when you think about the shark, a shark is what? I, I describe it as a cigar with teeth, right? <laughs> it, it's just this, it's this long, you know, kind of round cylinder shape, but, but what makes it different? You mm -hmm. know, what makes a shark a shark? If I said an elephant, you go, okay, hey, the trunk, the ears. If I say a zebra, the stripes, if I, you know, so things come to mind. So when it comes to shark, it's like, okay, how do we represent this? And then the next thing was we need to represent this because it's a fish, right? So if you look at the Miami Dolphins logo, Okay, that's football, but it's not a very aggressive animal. It's not a very aggressive logo, you know. And, and again, in this day and age, um, when you're designing stuff, that that dolphin logo, as an example, is is a throwback to you know when they did it, you mm -hmm. know, back in the '60s, right? So if somebody were doing the dolphin logo today to represent a football team, um, my guess is they'd be doing how, how do you make an aggressive dolphin? <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> and, and so you can kind of see the dilemma there, you know, as I ask you, okay, picture an aggressive dolphin. What does that look like? <laughs> you know, and people right now, people, even if you're not an artist, you're trying to think, okay, what do, do I create a dolphin with a, 
Does he look mean? How do I make a dolphin look mean? You know, things like that. Yeah, so, an animal and, with a permanent smile. It's a little different. Yeah, you're right. It just, so, so sometimes you think about it. So in this case, you have a shark. Um, and what you're thinking is, okay, how do we create an aggressive looking shark? So in, when you look at it, the, the, the image and the graphic from the original one, even to the new one, does it really represent a realistic shark? And the answer is no. Well, it's, it's anthropomorphized, but not at all. Like there it's expressing human emotions with no human features. Exactly. So, you know, the idea was how do you create, uh, and again, this has to do with the storytelling. It's an aggressive sport. You want to give something that the athletes want to wear. You know, if we, if, if, if I, let's say if we had done it and it looked more like, let's say designing, like and I'm using I'm using Miami Dolphin logo, which is more kind of a design. It's in between the design and illustration, mm -hmm. but something like that in my mind wouldn't have been aggressive enough to represent hockey, to represent what the players would want to wear. Because again, I'm going to design something that I would want to wear. Mm -hmm. And so you know, some of the early designs, if it's too cartoony, if it's too you know, we're, you know, we, we were already, you know, kind of gave them a color that was kind of different and weird, but to, to have, you know, uh, something that, that the players would want to wear and take pride in. Um, and so that's, as you start to look at these things and now you look at the animal and the shark, what do you have to work with? Well, you have the teeth and you have the fin, but you know, the teeth, you could do something that would make it feel um, aggressive by what you could do, how are you going to show the teeth? You also have to look at what was popular or what did most people associate with shark from a cultural standpoint? Well, it was probably Jaws. Mm -hmm. That was probably the most iconic thing around sharks. It was that movie poster, right? With the shark coming up and all that stuff. So, you know, the other sharks would have been things like, um, I'm just trying to think what else was out there at the time. Cause I, um, I'm thinking, what movies were because again finding nemo things like that they weren't out yet yeah. so i'm trying you know <laughs> so people's perceptions of what sharks were and, and what was out there you know was you know either very cartoony or you saw jaws or whatever so the trick became how do we do that and and really the attitude and everything was really conveyed through the eye which is why on the updated one you know the eye has color and the primary difference between the original mark and the updated mark was kind of cleaning it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, the original mark, there was really no teal in it. There's one teal stripe that runs around the outside of the triangle, and that's it. Hmm. Um, it was it was pretty much a black and white logo. There was a, you know there was kind of a rust color in the stick, and there was a blue outline that ran around it. But that whole design was really black and white. So as when we're doing the redesign, you know, teal now, right? That teal stripe and teal had become um, synonymous with the franchise. And so the shark also was very flat on the original. Mm -hmm. So how could we give it a little more life, make it feel a little more 3D, um, simplify some of the lines and the stick and the teeth so that it was easier from a manufacturing standpoint to reproduce. Um, the original mark, that's one of the things that was good about it was it was so complex to do that it was difficult to counterfeit <laughs> because 
there were so many lines in the teeth and so many lines on the stick that it was really a pain in the butt to stitch and do things like that. So one of the things that we did when you're looking at the redesign was to clean some of that stuff up, make it cleaner, give it a little bit more 3D feel, introduce more of that teal color into it. And then I go back to the eye because there we brought some color into the eye, which helped emphasize, again, the attitude. Um, and then also, too, I wanted to make it feel, give it more weight. So in other words, the original design, the shark, you know, felt kind of slick and, and sly because it was all black and it was more slender. And on the new one, it's got more volume by making it feel a little more 3D, making it feel like a larger, more aggressive, more powerful, um, you know, shark image. But at the end of the day, it, you know, it's not really a shark. It is a design and a series of shapes that represent uh, what a shark I think represents in most people's mind in terms of aggressiveness and obviously the team itself. How many times when you're working on something, be it you know, the shark's logo, teal totes, cyber rays, whatever, have you done what you felt was a mistake and thought I ruined it only to realize that maybe that mistake was the right idea in the end? Or do you not ever view your work in terms of mistakes or right or wrong or something that clear cut? Is it just you know, see where, uh, you know, that creative process was taking you and then either take some aspects of it for the final design or is it just sometimes, yeah, like you do something that you think you don't like or and you walk and look at it later and you say, actually, that works. Uh, great question. Um, I'm going to say, you know, it, it's about feel and, and I always go back to story and message. So what is it that you're trying to say with any artwork that you're doing? What's the story behind it? What's the message behind it? In the case of the sharks, what you wanted to do was, you know, represent speed, power, aggressiveness, you know, um, you know those attributes that you'd want to see not only, you know, in, in the players uh, and the team. What I think fans wanted to see in their team. How do you represent that? What I think players wanted to 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 kind of represent when they stepped out on the ice. And so that's that's really what we're all designed to start. And then now you're going about trying to capture an image that conveys, you know, the message that you're trying to communicate. Is there a right or wrong answer? Well, you know, in art, there really isn't a right or wrong answer, right? The sky mm -hmm. can be blue or purple. The grass can be green or orange. It doesn't really matter. There is no right answer in art. It's not like a math problem or a computer problem, which is solved with ones and zeros. Either the code works or it doesn't. But in art, there is no answer. Um, I used to say, you know, again, whether something, you know, it, it's about um, kind of the perception. Imagine, <clears throat> you know, if, if home runs, <clears throat> I, <laughs> I always tell people this, when you're working on art, you know, because there's no right or wrong answer, but I compare it to sports. So if Barry Bonds home runs, um, if it goes over the fence, it's a home run, mm -hmm. right? Things are, you know, objective or subjective. If it goes over the fence, it's a home run. But imagine if home runs were graded and it only counted by how high it went, how <laughs> far it went, you know, all these other things that are, you know, all these other tangible things that don't matter, they, but they do matter when fans are watching. Right. Yeah. There's a difference between, you know, a splash hit when Barry would hit him into the bay 
or you know somebody else who barely clears the fence. You know, it's a run and all that stuff, but which one's more memorable? Which one do fans appreciate? So from that angle or that perspective, that's kind of what I look at. Is there a right or wrong answer? No. But is there something that is going to spark and feel better to fans, hit that emotional connection that you want and so forth? And you're not going to please everybody. There's no way you come up with anything creatively where everybody loves it. And that's why I say you're still going to have people that like the old mark. You're still going to have people that like the new mark. But when the when the old mark, when we first did that, um, you know, hockey people hated it. Really? Oh, the NHL. I was nine years old, man. So I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I'm, I'm you know, <laughs> you can go back and talk to some other people, but the, the the people at the NHL were trying to talk the sharks out of using it. They said wow. no, and, and because it was very different i mean think about you think about the bruins and the canadian think about boston think about all those logos and now here you have this crazy thing that that this new team in in california is going to put on their jersey and it's got this black shape biting a hockey stick in half i mean it it was they they thought the sharks were out of their mind (laughs) but you know again the, and that wasn't the logo that was winning all the marketing research. The, the logo that was winning the marketing research was if people go back and look at the old Cleveland Barons logo that had the kind of the more the cartoony shark with the hockey stick and all that stuff. You know, so sometimes you have to kind of go with your instincts, even over what focus groups say and all that kind of stuff, or even when people don't. So I'm kind of being long winded here again, but it's kind of that feel for what you think is right and what you think will strike the right tone. Um, That being said, you know, you don't always know if you're right. You can't predict the success. But what I try to lean on is, is, um, you know, past projects, past experience, and lean on kind of what people respond to emotionally, whether it's subconscious or not. One of the examples I give people is, you know, if you put um, a rainbow, uh, on a on a jersey, um, and you were going to sell that. Most people would would look at it and go, "No guy is going to buy a, a hockey uniform with a rainbow on it." <laughs> you know what I mean? There's still those kind of we we still live in this society where you get these kind of stereotypes and yeah. and all that stuff. And and you know the feeling of having to be macho and all kinds of stuff. So a rainbow, pink, nah, that's girl stuff. You know, um, if you get to you know, some of the other things, oh, girls are going to buy that. But at the end of the day, human beings respond to the spectrum. Mm-hmm. It's just how it's presented. So if I put a rainbow on a jersey, they probably, you know, men, whether they liked it or not, a lot of guys wouldn't buy it just because of what they think it either represents or their attitudes or, you know, how they're raised. It's like, you know, do, do, Back in the 60s, you know, boys didn't play with dolls. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Girls played with Barbies. So what they do? They created a doll for boys. And that was a G.I. Joe. But right. it was a doll. Right. <laughs> so the idea is how it's presented. So I'm kind of, again, giving you one of my weird philosophical reasons, you know, answers. No, but, dude, I, I, I yeah. love it. I, you know, I, I think getting into all this stuff is is fascinating. And on on an offshoot of the the right versus wrong. Yeah. The, the one that always gets me is the, 
quote unquote finished. And one of an answer on this that kind of blew me away. Um, it was an interview with, uh, Bono and the edge. And they said that a U2 album would never be finished if they left it up to us. They said, thank God for Brian Eno and Daniel Anwar and Steve Lillywhite for saying, no, this, this is where we end because they said they would tinker endlessly. They'd never quote unquote finish a project. How did, how did you know, or how do you know when something is finished? Uh, I agree with that answer wholeheartedly, you know, uh, for, for artists, um, no, no piece is ever done. The only reason it's done is you have a deadline <laughs> um, because you will tinker with it. You will keep playing with it. You will find ways to improve it. It's you evolve and grow, whether it's a musician or an artist, you know, you're only as good as your last work uh, and you will continue to noodle. There's always that one little extra thing you can get out of it. And I think that all um, creative people and people who are successful and athletes and all that kind of stuff, as soon as you think you've reached the pinnacle and you're done, you know, from an athlete, your career is over. You always have to keep growing. You always have to get better. You always have to improve your game. You've always got to figure, how can I get an extra mile an hour on that slap shot? How can I get an extra you know, mile per hour in terms of my speed? How, you know, you're always working, you're always growing. Um, and I think from an artist standpoint, it's the same thing, whether it's music, whether it's writing, you know, most authors, if you gave them the choice, they would go back and rewrite right. portions of their book. <laughs> Musicians are going to read, and it's the same thing with art. You know, if you hit me today, I'm going to take that Sharks logo and go, oh, I got a better idea. I got I just, another way to tweak it. Well, that that's what I, I must imagine is maddening because like, you know, if, if, if Bob Dylan or Stevie wonder did a song one way in the sixties, they can go out there today and play it another way that might more represent their artistic vision. Whereas yours is cemented in terms of that logo being on a, on, on a sweater, on, on um, hats. Yeah. I, like that's it's there. And like, I not, not that there's anything wrong with that. Obviously that's indicative of it being a great success, but like you just said, like if you came back to it today, it, you'd probably start, you know, messing with it. Yeah, that's a great point. But I laugh because it's one of those things that you, you are correct. And that is when you are creative and you create, whether it's music or art, um, it's there. And, and if it's public and it's out there and it's on things, it's there and it's not going away until they decide they want to change it. So what you do is, you know, you hope that you come up with things that stand the test of time. And you know, it's one of those things when we were looking at the colors, you know, and I've told people this before as well, you know, the original colors that I really wanted to go with for the sharks, the first thing when you, when you hear the word shark, you know, what do you think of? Well, for me, it's like blood in the water. It's red, <laughs> right? So the original colors I wanted, so keep everything the same except replace teal with red. Wow. Now. When you think about that, it makes perfect sense from what the shark is and what you want to represent. Red is something you know is going to stand the test of time, you know, so it all works. But when you start looking at the marketplace, remember I said most of the product sells in the home market, et cetera, et cetera. And you start looking around, you're going, all right, sports teams in this marketplace, well, you got the Niners, mm -hmm. right? They got red. Yeah. 
So they're going to own that color. You got Stanford, they got Cardinal. So, you know, so as you start to go through all of a sudden you go, okay, what can we do, you know, that leads to something different, but I'll kind of get back to your question with regard to, you know, when do you know you're done? Um, like I said, you're done. You run out of time with the, with timelines. And the other side of it is you are, when you're doing something like that, there's a difference between fine art and commercial art. If you're a fine artist, um, you are kind of working for yourself. You're creating these images and paintings and things that you hope somebody will buy and appreciate, but you're not working for anybody other than yourself. When you're a commercial artist or you're doing these kind of things, you're working for a client. You're trying to solve a problem for somebody else. You're going to bring your sensibilities, your attitudes, your perceptions, your experience to the project. But at the end of the day, your client has to be happy. Yeah. So to some extent, they tell you when you're done because they're happy with it. Now, if you're not happy with it, you can try to convince them we can go a little more. There's more stuff we can do. If they say, no, this is what we want. We like this. We're done. Right. <laughs> You've already hit the budget, <laughs> whatever it may be. You know, that's when the project ends. I will tell you this on the shark stuff. People have seen maybe, I don't know, over the last 35 years, they maybe have seen 20 different things that, that you know, we've designed. But, you know, some of the people in the organization, they know, they've probably seen close to 200, 300 <laughs> different designs. So there are times where you will, you know, continue to noodle things and work on things because, you know, at some point they may need something else or it may come back around. Yeah. Um, in this area, you know, one of the things, <clears throat> you know, we had done the Sharks logo, we had done the San Jose Sabercat stuff. We had done the San Jose Earthquake stuff, the original stuff. We had done the lasers. We had done the San Jose Stealth. I mean, there's this, we've done a lot of different kind of logos and uniforms and all kinds of stuff. So, you know, we were kind of solidified if some, a new sports organization or team was coming into the Bay Area, you know, for a while there, you know, we had success. And you also have to realize what does success mean for those organizations um if like i said if i'm a fine artist success is i've created something that i like and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks and if somebody wants to buy it great but in the commercial market success still is driven by dollars are we creating things that people like and buy and sell whether it's on bumper stickers or hats or whatever it may be so from that standpoint when you're done and when you're successful you know, is determined by, you know, how much product you sell, you know, um, and, you know, that's where I think we've been successful is we've managed to have a good feel, if you will, for, you know, what people will want to wear, how they will want to show off their pride and support for their teams and organizations and so forth. So, again, another long winded way of saying, you know, you're never really done when you're an artist, but in this particular case, your client and the fans decide when you're done. If the fans don't like something, and I, at the, in fact, when the Sharks logo came out, I don't know if you're old enough to remember, but the 49ers changed their logo. 
I I remember they they proposed that four and the 49ers nine. as opposed to the SF across the helmet. Right. And what happened was that the uh, let's see within you can go back and look this up. But I remember it was like within weeks of each other. Um, I think the either the Sharks logo came out and then two weeks later, the 49ers debuted that or the other way around. But the revolt from fans was so strong that the Niners said, okay, we're not going to use that. <laughs> and I think one of the things with what I do is, boy, you're, you're going to hear about it. Yeah. <laughs> they don't like it. And that's why I know that, there, you know, there's still some people, you know, who, uh, and that's why I don't pay much attention to it uh, other than if people aren't buying it, you know, then, you know, you didn't hit it. But in each case, even though, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, that are going to come out of the woodwork and tell you, you know, I, I hate that. Why did you do that? Um, you know, again, I'm not on social media. I don't pay much attention to it, but I have friends. We all do, right? <laughs> and they'll come up and go, Terry, they really didn't like that. Have you seen this? I said, no. And at the end of the day, I always look at them and go, you know, even on the first one, you know, there were a lot of people didn't like it. I said, you know, that's okay because there's enough people. You know, it doesn't get to be the number two selling logo because everybody hates it, you know, and, and on the new one, right? That's the risk you run is you have all these people who love this logo and now you're going to change it. Yeah. Right. And so that for me is the stressful or scariest part about, you know, it wasn't the first one. It was the second one. <laughs> it was okay. Now the, the organization goes, Hey, let, let's change this. Let's do something new. And I'm going to go, I don't think we should do that. My instinct says we can tweak this, but we need to make sure it's very reminiscent of mm -hmm. what these fans have come to love. And so even when the second one, that's why I'm saying that you're still going to get, I'm sure with your group, if you put a poll out there, who likes the first one, who likes the second one, you're going to get all kinds of stuff, you know, I would get, you know, I'll still get hate mail and people send me mean Jesus. stuff and all that. It, it's just, you know, you know, it's people. And yes. like I said, I don't pay attention to it because it doesn't really matter. What matters is, um, have I created something that most of the fans um, like, enjoy, appreciate wearing, that the players want to do it? You know, again, that's who you're working for. It's not you know, the few, um, you know, individuals, but if enough people, you know, said, Hey, you know, we don't like it. And then sometimes, you know, you'll create something, you know, what they currently are wearing on, uh, I think it's the home white Jersey. It's, I, I guess they call it the screaming shark. That's yeah, on the I, I think so. I'm not sure yeah. if that's what they call if that's what it's called. Yeah. I think that's what it's called. But anyway, now that design was created I was creating it as a, a kind of a test logo to be on a hat to see how people would react because it's a very different look to the shark. Um, it doesn't necessarily match what's on the crest. But you, but if you look at it, you do. I mean, I guess it's the eye, right? Well, that's why there, you know it's. Well, again, there were some things that I was. It was an experiment that I was trying. I said, "Hey, try this on a hat," and uh, I didn't know it at the time, but they ended up putting it on the shoulder of the Jersey. It yeah. was not meant to be on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so here's a case where, you know, you've been to, you know, mistake or something. Cause I'll look at that and go, 
now that one doesn't quite nail what I was trying to do, but you know what? It's, try it on a hat and see what how people react. Because you know, you throw it on a few hats and you put it in the, you know, in the in the store, right? And just you know, see people's reaction. Yeah. So you know, there are sometimes I'll create things to test. Um, that one, obviously, you know, people within the organization felt strong enough about it that they put it on the uniform, you know. But normally, like I said, if I'm designing the uniform, I'm trying to make everything fit and work together and all that kind of stuff. But there's a case where, you know, um, you know, for me as an artist, I'm going, mm, I would probably do something different. But for the organization and, and what worked for them, they liked it enough, put it on the jersey. And, and so my, the client said, we like that. We're going to run with this one. And there were probably, you know, I know there were at least 50 or 60 other patch designs that I had done. So you know, sometimes, like I said, uh, your client and the people will speak and, you know, and, and that kind of goes. So you just have to be open and, and create enough uh, variety um, that people have choices. And then hope, hopefully, like I said, I like to solve a problem, you know, five different ways, but five different ways where I think it can work in all of those things will be very different. But I believe that all of them will work. And so the, whatever the client happens to choose, you know, in theory, you know, hopefully it will work. Terry, man, this has been absolutely fascinating. And I know I could steal even more of your time, but you're very generous so far in putting up with my questions, but this has been absolutely fantastic, man. Really appreciate your time. And we all look forward to you uh, dropping the puck on Saturday night for black history night at the San Jose sharks, man. And uh, you're a legend, man. Keep up the great work. <laughs> I don't know about a legend, but I appreciate it. And it's nice to visit with you. And, uh, Look forward to, you know, seeing everybody on Saturday night. Terry Smith, everyone, really fascinating conversation there. Loved everything that he had to say, and I look forward to seeing him out at the tank on Saturday night. Remember, these teal totes are worth $1,000 each, and their net proceeds are benefiting the Sharks Foundation and Southeast STEM. You can just Google teal totes. You'll find the link uh, for the Sharks Foundation, which will take you right to these. Uh, not too difficult. I'll also include a link uh, in the description of this podcast if you do listen to it in podcast form. Uh, but thank you all for joining us, and keep attuned to the Sharks Audio Network for the latest on Team Teal. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app presented by Western Digital.